Listen, Canacon Day 2 is drawing to a close, and I just got, I hope I don't geek out too much, I just got the coolest opportunity that I've had at this thing. When you go to these shows, certain people stride these floors like true rock stars, and I'm with one of them. One half of the Pot Brothers at Law, my guest at this time on the Infuse Show, Mark Wasserman. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's such an honor, my man. I, I'm a big fan, as I told Mark uh, before, of the work that, that he and his brother do uh, and, and their mission to kind of help serve this community. But, Mark, we're in Oklahoma City, and I heard you talking the other day. You were out here uh, doing some filming. Yes, I was. Uh, I'm an actor. That You know, it's, it's interesting because when me and my brother first came on and infiltrated a social media, not having any idea what was about to happen... Uh, we uh, people thought are you an actor or are you guys really brothers and you know we had to look we're we're really brothers <laughs> we really smoke pot and we're both really attorneys you know here's my bar number you know you, you can look it up and i did not advertise or talk about the fact that i am as i believe first and foremost an actor uh-huh. i grew up uh loving that craft and I started at a very young age and went through college and musical theater and all that stuff and for me that you know that's something where when I tell people I have an IMDB page you know the internet movie database you know go right you go, go put my name in and you know because I get questioned more and more and recently I hadn't had a real acting gig in uh, a real deep one like this in probably 10 or 15 years. Really? When I did something, uh, it was an independent film called Falling Down, different from the Michael Douglas. <laughs> uh, Interesting, I got it. We, we, we named it Falling Down because my friend said, I want your Falling Down movie, which I also wrote with my buddy. Uh, on the shelves at Blockbuster, for those who remember (laughs) Blockbuster. Dude, I remember. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it'll be right next to Michael Douglas's Falling Down because (laughs) I get it a lot. I get that, hey, you look like Michael Douglas. And I've got that over the years and stuff, but just Mm -hmm. as as a funny aside. But for that movie, I had to gain 50 pounds. What? And wow, I, you know, and I did. I had to gain and lose it for that. And it's on Amazon. You can check it out. Check it out, definitely. Not the Michael Douglas movie. (laughs) Uh, but this movie then came along through same friend I made the other one with who's producing films out here. You know, he moved back out here uh, to Oklahoma, uh, which is becoming a kind of a, a, a little Hollywood. A boom is happening with production out here. And he said one day, check your email, read, it, read this script, short film. Okay. And he hadn't sent me something in quite some time, so I was very intrigued. Yeah. I read it, and it is about a vet, homeless vet, 60 years old or so, was in oh. Desert Storm, and in Oklahoma City, roaming around, there's you know, homeless problems everywhere, sure. uh, including here, and he finds himself beat up and in a dumpster where, you know, he's maybe about to end his life, and he sees a plant that's pretty much at the end of its rope, and he finds some sort of connection, takes the plant out of the garbage, gets into the soil. It's a cannabis plant, he realizes, and names it Herbie. And so it's the story of this homeless vet who cares for and curates Herbie 
as through a montage sequence, he's getting bigger and bigger until, you know, it's a beautiful, it's, you know, like, there you go. You know, that's, that's a bunch of Herbies right there I'm looking right. at in an incubator that, you know, when they grow. And he then gets beat up and they steal Herbie because it's worth a lot of money. And he ultimately finds these people and he was a, a, a former special forces ranger, so he kicks their ass. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, but, As but, he should. But, and, and, but Herbie's gone. Uh-huh. Because they, you know, they, they ripped him apart and sold him. And, but, he, but a bunch of seeds were the remains. And he ends up with an sh- ocean of Herbies. And so in its basic form, homeless vets, homelessness is a problem. Yes, it homeless is. Homeless vets, I mean, that's just... It's a crime. I- exactly. And then you have the crime on top of that crime of forcing vets to take opiates and all the other garbage and not giving them the free and total access to cannabis. So you have here a guy, a a, a homeless vet, who's at the end of his rope. He finds a cannabis plant. He saves the cannabis plant. The cannabis then saves him. And, you know, when I had the opportunity to jump into that role, uh, I... You know, I said yes. I had spent three months growing my hair and my beard and my nails and, you know, all, all that stuff that actors do, or at least that I do, you know. Yeah, it's commitment. And we came out here, um, yeah, a week ago Tuesday. So I was here for a good five days shooting uh, before I came to Canacon. And we shot uh, in and around all of Oklahoma City. There were some great moments where... They had a drone flying all around, and that was it. And all uh-huh. the cameras everywhere else were, were, were out. And I just was roaming around and getting real interaction. And a lot of people don't look at homeless people. They'll look sure. away. Sure, you know. And, and a lot of homeless people won't, won't look at you. Right. You know, they, they, won't, they won't look. And there were times when I was maybe sitting somewhere, I had to change bot bucket, and somebody, you know, walked by and dropped something in it. In fact, he said, better days, mate. I think it was Australian or something like that. Okay. Ended up being four bucks. And family walked by, a little girl, mommy, can I? And clink, the 50 cent piece was in the, you know. And so, wow. you know, and, and, and I gave that away, of course, to homeless people that I, I saw. But the compassion that exists, something like that. Yeah. Because people might think, well, you know. Only two people, you know, and it's it's not the physical act, I don't think. But no. for every person that does that, there are a bunch of people that are walking by that might think maybe I should do that. And by the time they're processing it, they're already walked by. Well, look, I mean, you, you inf- your influence in hearts and minds. I mean, that that's the big work. And so your friend was obviously right when he sent you that script. There was something engaging, yeah. beautiful story there. And as the son of a vet. I got to thank you for helping tell a beautiful story where I get sick and tired of people praising veterans in speeches and then not giving a damn about their quality of life. No, absolutely. And, and me and my brother represent vets and organizations like Weed for Warriors. And when this opportunity came along, I didn't realize what was going to happen in terms of when I... So when I started preparing for the role, I went on... Uh, my personal Instagram page, mm-hmm. Waslaw, and started, hey, I, I'm an actor, I'm preparing for this role, hashtag actor prepares type of thing. I was like, this is what I do. Yeah. And when I got closer to filming, and as my appearance without any makeup was changing, yeah. 
and my wife and children were hating me. And my, my, <laughs> and my eyebrows, is. well, my eyebrows, I cut them every week because okay. they're crazy, and <laughs> they were they did what I needed to do. Sure. And so when uh, when we started filming, I was really deep into that character, and I started getting messages on Instagram. Hey, are, you know, are you okay? I'm filming from a you know homeless encampment tent, and you know what's going on. And then I started getting text messages from people who I know, like maybe I hadn't seen them in you know eight months or whatever, but, sure. but they have my number. I know. I know. And are you okay? What's going? What the hell's going on? And so then I was like, wow, this I'm I'm really blurring the lines here of reality, yeah. which is a very big thing these days with quote unquote reality TV. No doubt. I don't even. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I created this Bill Morgan Instagram, Bill Morgan 1964 W Instagram page. Okay. To see what, and then one of the first messages that Bill Morgan got was, where can I donate? Wow. And so I actually haven't opened that message yet because it just struck me that, wow, I, I might have an opportunity to actually raise money for vets somehow and take this a step further and make Bill Morgan. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, so it's just kind of evolving right now. And the response that I've gotten, like when I tell this is what the story is about, you know, I get that response like, like you gave. Wow. Mark, this is just a brilliant project. I can't wait to, to see it, support it. I'm going to follow that, that account Yo, as yeah, soon as I, I can. I, I, yeah, I don't even know what I'm going to do with it. But <laughs> it was fun during the filming yeah. because I shut down every other aspect of my life, and even, my, even my own phone, which I I'm still don't know how I like got through the day knowing my phone I was completely <laughs> shut off. You know? It's so a weird feeling. I had the, my iPhone. I have two different phones. I had the iPhone that became Bill Morgan's prop that he found an iPhone and somebody, well, that's a whole other, it doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter how he found it. But he, he got hold of iPhone and he followed Ellen DeGeneres, Michael Rappaport, and Joe Grande. Okay. And, you know, he likes to dance and stuff like that. And so just it's doing little things like that to set up for future. Because as it was filming, he was in the tent. He was, you know, different things were going on. And then he's out living now in his treehouse. Yeah. And cleaned up a little, which is meant to say the beard got cut a little. He snuck into some country club. And, you know, you can see all that stuff on the IG. And then going on from there, I'll just, we'll see what happens. And... The bottom line is trying to raise awareness of yeah. all these problems that vets have, which is a crime that it's not that we have to raise awareness Isn't for it. it. Yeah. You know, but the, 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 the homelessness coupled with the not being able to get cannabis as their medicine. As their medicine that they need. Absolutely. My God. I'm so intrigued by the story, and I thank you for sharing that with us. I know that we're talking about film, uh, and it seems like a lot of modern-day films are obsessed with uh, telling or maybe a better term is retelling of origin stories. Yes. The, could you give us a quick or a good <laughs> origin story of how you and your brother started uh, your practice? Well, so it starts with my brother who became an attorney in 1986. Mm -hmm. And he, as he says, he couldn't do math or science, so he became an attorney. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, so I have, I have two, two older brothers. My oldest brother's a, a, a 
doctor, geriatrician, mm-hmm. and then my, my brother here is an attorney. I was, you know, there was doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, you know, and I was, <laughs> I was the actor, artist is, you know, yeah. what are you going to do, Mark? What are you, what's going to happen? And so when I decided at some point I wanted to produce my own plays and films that I was writing, I want, needed to have money for that. Yeah. And I didn't want to use other people's money because then they wanted to have a say. So sure. how am I going to make money? Well, my brother's a doctor. I mean, I ain't going to school for 10 years. My other brother's an attorney. If he could do it, I could do it. And I found a law school where I was able to zip through in two and a half years. And so I became an attorney 10 years after my brother in 1996. Okay. And I started practicing criminal defense right out of the gate mm-hmm. for myself, my own practice. I passed the bar, and then three days later, I had my first client. And from there, I built my practice. Well, nobody would hire me. Okay. You know, that's why I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have a... The problem with... <laughs> well, California, I can speak to. I mean, mm-hmm. most states have their system in the bar. Every state has their bar exam. Some states have 80, 95% pass rates for their bars exam. Yeah. California, you know, like the year I passed, it was like, you know, 30%. Yeah, it's kind of like Delaware, where we're from. They have a ridiculous standard, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and I took it three times. And so when you're waiting for the results, it's like three months. And you go to a job, they can't hire you. You're not an attorney yet. Uh And then, well, we need a clerk, but if you become an attorney in three months... We don't need an attorney. We need a clerk. You're just going to leave, so we're not going to hire you. It's going to catch 22. Sure. And so I found myself in that situation three days after raising my hand and swearing in, and I went back to the coffee shop where I'd studied for three months the last time I studied. And the uh, barista, who, you know, I knew him all. I studied at his coffee shop for three months. You're going to get to know everybody. So are you an attorney yet? And I said, yeah, I just became one. Well, well, my cousin got a DUI last night. Can you help? So yeah, and I got my coffee. I'm walking out, like just shaking. Called my brother. I think I just got a client. I don't know what the fuck to do. Oh, it's okay. I am the shut the fuck up guy. I'm assuming fucks are. Okay. Oh, I know. I know, brother. Like I said, I'm a big fan. Big fan. We're gonna get into that. So my so my brother says, "What is it?" I tell him it's a DUI, and I want to do criminal defense. Call Fritchie who is a crimin- was a criminal defense attorney for 30-some-odd years, good friend of my brother's, and a real shy, quiet guy, great, great attorney. Mm-hmm. Called him up. I said, hey, I got this uh, DUI. What do I do? How much do I charge? Yeah. It's really the first question I ask. <laughs> what do I charge? I'm going to stop paying loans back. Yeah, really? What do I do here? And he goes, well, I charge 700. This is 1996. I charge 750 bucks, representation arraignment through the pretrial. They want to go to trial, it's going to be more. And I said, okay. And it didn't, it sounded like, it didn't like sound enough because he'd been practicing 30 years. So I just called around to attorneys in the phone book and I was finding charges from like a thousand, a thousand to three thousand to five. And, you know, with the, and with his experience, he shouldn't be charging 750 bucks. So I get the phone call from the client. Who says, my cousin called me, but uh, told me to call you, but I'm going to tell you right now, uh, she told me everything. Just tell me, is it true? <laughs> uh, you just passed the bar. 
you don't have a job, you don't work for anybody, you work for yourself, and you've never been to court. And I said, yes, it's all true. And I've never been to court, nobody hired me, but I am an attorney and I can, I can go to court. And you're honest. <laughs> Maybe to a fault. <laughs> but I explained to him that in this scenario here, if he chooses to retain my services, he will be retaining two attorneys for the price of one. And he'll be getting a second attorney who's got 30 years of experience, usually charges five grand, only going to charge 1500 and I'm going to learn everything I need to learn, and he'll get to, you'll get two attorneys. And so a day or two later, I had uh, 1500 bucks cash in my hand, and I went to Fritchie, and I said, hey, okay, we have a client. And I gave him 750 bucks. And he said, well, wait a minute. I told you that we'd split it. I don't want all the money. And I go, that's half. And he said, what happened? How, how'd you do that? I go, well, I think you undervalue yourself. I called around. You know, I told him how much this. He was happy to do it. And that, well, that's when I learned in business there are people who can be brilliant at what they're doing. But when it comes to the business side of it, like he just... He just couldn't ask people for money or yeah. whatever it was. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's how I built my practice, hanging out, well, Barfly, anywhere, coffee shops, libraries, grocery store, not hanging out, but just anywhere I was at, I keep an ear open, got problems, oh, I'm going to turn, oh, I do that, got car accident, I do that, need a contract, I do that, wills, I do that. I did everything because what I would do is go find, through my brother's network, an attorney who 20, 30 years practicing, and then I would always make, they would get more money from their split with me than they would getting their own clients because I would always wow get more money. They would, they would just charge this, and I would say, I can get more than that. I don't know. It's you're worth more than that. You get your worth, the worth. And so that's how I built my practice up until 2015. I need to take a sip. Absolutely. Then we move it in. Getting cannabis centric, I guess, around that 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 that, that time for you. What's that? Uh, in, around twenty fifteen. Oh yeah, so you yeah, moving well, to right. So so the the fateful day of <laughs> January twenty second, twenty fifteen, when my nephew, my brother's son, known as Jay Cures, of West Coast Cure in California. Okay. Who, as an aside here, when he was thirteen. And my brother was going through a nasty divorce for kids, for young, and he oh, was the oldest man. at 13. And, you know, they got the counselors and psychiatrists and all that shit going on. Sure thing. And they want to give him pills and garbage and all that. And my brother said, no way. I'll come in the backyard, take a puff of this. You know, see how that makes you feel. You can put anything in your system. It's going to be that. And he did. You know, we didn't <laughs> we didn't know the Pandora's box that but that was ultimately yeah. that's another show. <laughs> okay. Okay. You should remind me. You love to love to do a, that. Because that kid, Jay Kears, my nephew, love him. He's he's the reason I sit here today. He's the reason Pop Brothers at Law exist because on January twenty second, twenty fifteen, he came into our office and said said, Dad, Unc, I, my friends need attorneys to interview about Prop 2, uh, not Prop 215, sorry, Prop 64 in California, the adult use that's coming. Yeah. And they can't find any attorneys who will talk and smoke at the same time. Right. And I told them my dad and my uncle will do it. 
My brother goes, what? <laughs> I said, where do we go? There you go. Where? <laughs> and so. It's a meeting I want to take. Yes. <laughs> and my brother said, oh, what are you talking about? We're going to. The bar, the state bar, we're going to be smoking. And <laughs> he was, you know, he's more conservative, older. You yeah, know? yeah. And I said, look, we're, we're, we're in California. We have our physician's recommendation. We're going to a private place. We're not breaking any laws. It's a private studio. You know, what's the problem? Yeah, for about 10 or 15 minutes, said, okay, let's do it. And it was, okay, when is this? Jarrett, that's his name, my nephew. And in true Jarrett form... We got to go right now. Got to go. Up in Hollywood. We got to go. It's Be Real TV Studios. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, I am Be Real, Cypress Hill. I didn't know he's on TV. What, you know, yeah. Four, Channel Four. I didn't, I didn't know it was an internet. Connecting you know, that's it, yeah. It, right? So, <laughs> old dude. Yeah, so, he goes, it's an internet. You know, sorry. So, we pop up to the studio in Hollywood, wherever it was, and we go on this talk show, and we joints, dabs, bongs, and smoking, questions, and Adam Hill, the host, was just, as he said, I'm a stoner, I drive around with stuff, what are the cops, what do I do, you know, what do we do, we're scared, we don't, and so, this was actually before we created the script itself. Yes. Okay. Right, so, because before that, shut the fuck up. I never consent to searches. I never consent to searches. I invoke the fifth. Yeah. I mean, those those basic things that I learned from my mentors yeah. and stuff like that. So when we were answering and fielding all these questions, and they were coming, in, it was just a great experience. Sure. Opened our eyes to social media, right? And what's going on on the internet, and how you can actually tap in and reach people. Uh, you know, I had Facebook. I, I had Facebook since its inception. Mm-hmm. It took me seven or eight years to get 5,000 friends, right? Okay. And that's all they allow you on, oh, the, on okay. the Facebook uh, for your personal personal uh, page. But once we finished that show that day, that night, my brother and my nephew again, he had told us three years before that or whenever Instagram started. Yeah. You guys got to get on Instagram. You guys got to sure. get on Instagram, teach people this. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, there's, you know, there's naked chicks and pot all over the place. <laughs> That's all there was in the <laughs> very beginning of yeah. Instagram. That's really what you saw. I'm like, I ain't going on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so now it's like two, three years later and he, he had some cases that felonies and stuff like that that ultimately we got dismissed because he did everything he said. He's got to get on Instagram and teach people yeah. what you taught me. And at Be Real, Be, Be Real TV Studios, my brother gets on Instagram. He knows nothing about social media. Okay. And creates the Pot Brothers at Law Instagram page by putting in pot, space, brothers, space. That space, for all of you who don't know, creates an underscore. Yes. Which is annoying because now for six years, our Instagram, <laughs> pot underscore brothers underscore at underscore law. Yeah, that's the Instagram page. That's it. The other one that goes straight through has become our backup page. But my brother created that page. My nephew says, go take pictures with Be Real, post it up. And, you know, that was fine and dandy. And then now what? And so I started looking at what Instagram was or wasn't. I went to the computer and I was like, and you can't do anything, right, on the computer really, which was annoying. Another thing on my phone now. (laughs) <laughs> and so I, you know, I'm like, what are we going to do? It was 15 second videos back then. Yeah. And we came up with 
15 second tips of the day on what you're going to do when the cops pull you over. Right. Geared towards cannabis patients in California because we're cannabis attorneys in California. We live in California, attorneys. And, you know, we, beyond California law, we can't advise anything uh, with regards to other states' specific laws or anything like that. And so, but what it turned into as we started seeing on Instagram an immediate just explosion of, took me 5,000 friends on Facebook, seven years. Yeah. Two or three weeks. I don't know what, we had 5,000 followers on Instagram. It's incredible. And as we were sharing Invoke the Fifth, Shut the Fuck Up, all those things, questions were coming at us. And what do I do if the cop says this? What if this happens? And that, this, and the other thing. And rather than say, well, just shut the fuck up, get invoke the fifth. You know, which is, I guess that's the easy way out. Yeah, that covers the bases. We we actually have to think and talk to each other about, well, what, how, what, we want to give everyone the simplest way to respond to officers in a polite way while maintaining all of your rights, remedies, and defenses under the Constitution of the United States. And, as we have found, what we say, absent invoke the fifth, works in other countries. Wow. Shutting the fuck up and all that. And so, as we were going back and forth, I'm not discussing my day. Just bottom line, easiest answer to any question. Any question. Why did you pull me over is there in the beginning because the cops have eight to nine minutes to write you a ticket or establish other independent probable cause. That clock starts ticking when the stop is established. Okay. Why did you pull me over? I'm not discussing my day. Am I being detained or am I free to go? Now you're giving the cop the opportunity to let you go. The opportunity to sit back and think, this person knows their rights. I'm looking in the car. I don't see anything. You know what? The next 10 people are going to rat on themselves and give me everything I want. Yeah. So goodbye. Be on your way. Or they detain you. Then you have to say, I invoke the fifth because the Supreme Court says so. And then no matter what they say or do, you shut the fuck up from handcuffed to whenever you get out. Mark, that, uh, your script is, is, is brilliant. I, uh, what drew me to your account to begin with was I just thought it was so damn thoughtful. And I just thought there was, there was such good intention behind it. And that's, I wanted to ask you specifically about that one line in the script mm-hmm. because to me, thanks to these things, people think they're a curse. They can be a great blessing for a lot of people mm-hmm. because unfortunately we've seen law enforcement act with absolute reckless abandon in so many of these stops so i wanted i just thought that was the most brilliant part of that script how do they use um you teach people i'm not discussing my day what are they going for there whether they're wheedling out of people because i just thought that was so brilliant i'm I'm gonna shut that down right now i'm not discussing my day why is that so important for for us to know Because, like I was just saying, it's the perfect response to anything the cop says. Like, you know, know, play the game. Be be the cop. (laughs) Be the cop. Ask me a question. Yeah, that's a brilliant thing. Go ahead. Uh, Having a bad day today? I'm not discussing my day. I don't know where to go. No, but I mean, (laughs) the cop will say, you know, where are you going? How fast? Why are you going so fast? Where have you been? You know, what's that smell? Yeah. You know, why are your eyes red? Are you tired? When's the last time you actually slept? But it, 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 first of all, it's none of their business. Yes. None of it. We are in America still. <laughs> think. I hope. Some form of it. <laughs> some form. And you have the right. You did the fifth. So 
the Miranda mm-hmm. warnings is that's what everyone associates the Fifth Amendment with, right? Yes. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you can to tell, blah, 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 blah. And that's all it is to me, blah, 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 Because I don't want people to care about the Miranda right. It, it is your right. Yes. It's under the Miranda case that came down whenever it came down. But simply put, it is just your constitutional Fifth Amendment right to shut the fuck up. Because people get, hey, he didn't read me my rights. So, were you in a custodial interrogation position? They don't have to read you your rights until they're doing a custodial interrogation. When that cop walks up to you or walks up to your car and says whatever he says and you say whatever you say, there's no protection there. I can't get that dismissed. He doesn't owe you anything and give you any warning because he wasn't interrogating you. You were not in a custodial interrogation situation. So, you, you know, he wants you to say, that's why you got right to it. Why'd you pull me over and get, and get right to it so yeah. you don't get caught in that trap where later, that's what we get all the time. Hey, you know, but he didn't read me my, my Miranda rights. I go, well, let me see what happened. Oh, well, he didn't, it's, he, he didn't have to. Just like you didn't have to talk. You wake up with and go to sleep with your Fifth Amendment right to shut the fuck up or get Miranda. I love it. Mark, my God, I, I can't thank you so much for your time and generosity. It's my pleasure. Sitting down with me. If we want to find you, you're practicing in California. We find Pot Brothers. It's pot underscore brothers underscore at underscore law on Instagram. Correct. correct? And, and how people get in touch with you and your brother if they need your services. And that's the same on TikTok. And we've got it, 855 Was Law. That's W-A-S-S-L-A-W, toll-free line. And while we practice and take our own cases only in California. Through our social media reach, we have created a worldwide attorney referral network system. So we can quite possibly refer you to a good, honest, ethical attorney that we vetted out uh, all across the globe. Excellent. Mark Washman's been my guest on Infused. Uh, One half of the Pot Brothers at Law. Mark, I can't wait for the film to come out. Again, Thank thank you for dedicating yourself the way you did to this role because it it touched me just hearing about it and uh, I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.